Thank you for tuning in to the Blind and Business Podcast. Hi everyone. Today we're joined by Jan, who is head of the client service global trade and receivable finance at HSBC. And Dan will be giving us some insight into the world of finance, HSBC, and applying for jobs. So welcome, Dan. Really nice to have you here. Pleasure to be here, Chantelle. Last Dan, his first question. Jan, thank you again for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and HSBC? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As I say, it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here, Chantelle. Um, and, and I guess first thing I would say is just thank you uh, to all the attendees and to everyone listening to this on playback and things like that from the podcast perspective. Um, you know, really appreciate you taking the time to, 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 to listen to little old me talk about my career and, and any insights that I can help. It's a, it's a privilege for me to, to give you a run through of that. So, um, my name is Dan Hartland, as um, as Chantel mentioned. You you will gather very quickly from the session that I'm from the West Midlands, and I'm sure that that accent is coming through loud and clear. I have spent a lot of time working in different jurisdictions around the UK uh, and in other markets, but the accent never left me, I'm afraid. Um, so I actually studied at the University of York. Uh, I was reading management, IT and Spanish there. Again, didn't really get much of a Spanish accent from that, but you know, um, I've had a couple of of drinks, I can bust it out now and again. Um, I am actually registered blind. So um, I use various pieces of assistive technology to help me sometimes, things like Zoom text and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just a a nuance, a part of my personality, um, something about me you know, kind of no big deal in that respect. Um, and it's just, a, you know, as I say, uh, an aspect of my DNA. Um, I actually have identical twin daughters uh, who are going to be six in March. Uh, as you can imagine, they keep me incredibly busy as they are six going on 16, absolutely. Either loving each other or rolling around the living room floor, pulling each other's hair and crazy stuff like that. Um, but it's great to have that kind of perspective um, outside of work. Um, that uh, It's yeah. not all big deals and all that stuff. Sometimes it's just trying to find a hair bubble or something like that. So yeah, all good. Um, So I've worked for HSBC uh, for 14 years now. So I joined the group fresh out of university, uh, but not via a graduate program. Um, And I guess that's a point I'd like to pause at really. Like grad schemes are absolutely fantastic um, and they provide fantastic structure in terms of rotations around different business areas and things like that. However, they're not always, you know, if, if you don't go into grad scheme, there's great opportunities for progression outside of that for absolutely sure. Uh, as I say, I didn't join on a, a graduate scheme um, and, and my career, you'll, you'll see when I talk through now, I've kind of worked through a number of roles with a number of jurisdictions and responsibilities. And all of that experience has helped me um, through those roles and in the current role that I occupy within the group. So I initially worked within the group, uh, within our wealth and personal banking division. Uh, working in the financial guidance team. So this was supporting clients who potentially had issues with their cash flow and helping them to find solutions to support them. Um, Now, this was an incredibly rewarding role, largely telephony based, um, sitting in an office uh, with a computer, leveraging my Zoom text and things like that uh, to be able to provide solutions for customers in that respect, whether that be um, consolidation loans and things like this. But again, you know, incredibly rewarding to be able to help people back on their feet in in potentially times of hardship. Um, I then 
Um, I mean, you'll, you'll kind of gather it from my career history. I don't, it's not like I get itchy feet. I just like continual challenge. You know, I love to be pushed outside of my comfort zone to try something new and see what, what value I can add there. So I was based in Birmingham at that point, um, but I wanted to um, move into a leadership role. Uh, no, there wasn't any leadership roles available in my immediate area at that particular time. So I started to kind of cast the net a, a little bit further afield. And I found a role in London, um, which was working in our liquidity and cash management team there, managing a team of 16, um, 16 colleagues. Um, so I had no friends in London at the time. Uh, I just wanted to kind of challenge myself. Um, it was that the role itself was, as I say, supporting a team of 16 uh, client service associates, um, supporting multinational clients to be able to manage their cash flow effectively, um, check on their payments, ensure any challenges were kind of worked through and things like that. Um, I guess the first exposure that I had to large multinationals, how they work, how the bank supports them to thrive, um, you know, of course, leadership role, it means that you are leading people, you are, you know, the person who drives the performance of that team, who keeps morale high, who um, is there to provide solutions for the team to be at their best. And I kind of always loved the responsibility of that. Um, I love the responsibility of being able to sit down and work a solution out with somebody um, to enable them to be at their best, which ultimately facilitated a great experience for our customers. So that was my, my kind of my first foray into leadership. And I just really got the taste for, for, for leading um, not just people, but programs and projects and things like that at that particular juncture. Um, I then moved to be an individual contributor. So um, no line management responsibility, but in the same area in um, liquidity and cash management. Um, so, so that was me managing a portfolio uh, of customers who required support with their cash and liquidity needs. Um, funnily enough, I ended up with a, a portfolio of Northern customers at the time. I'm not sure why that happened. Uh, maybe it's because I was the person who was from, you know, the most Northern province of the UK, uh, but I really, really enjoyed that. Um, they were largely in kind of Yorkshire, um, Humberside and things like that. Um, so yeah, brilliant role. Um, I guess the thing I loved about that role was the direct building of relationships with customers. Again, solutionizing through challenges, enabling customers to optimize their experience with the bank by uh, um, finding uh, e-channel solutions for them or finding solutions to uh, things where they maybe made errors when trying to conduct payments or things like this. Um, and by analyzing data, um, looking at trends, we were able to provide really intelligent solutions for them again to optimize their experience with the bank. Um, I then moved to to, to lead the client service function for our global banking and markets division. Um, so that was managing a, a group of managers who were doing the job that I was previously doing. So you can kind of see that, that there is clear career progression opportunities within the group based on that, you know, uh, having you know worked through that role, I understood the role really well. And then I guess moved up into a leadership role to drive the strategy of the area more holistically. Um, I then moved to lead the complex global implementation team in liquidity and cash management. Um, so this was implementing solutions around the world for customers who had a multinational footprint. Um, so this would be setting up our various solutions in different countries. So having a headquarters, you know, having, the, I guess, 
the project being managed from London for argument's sake, but having helicopter sites around the globe who would be implementing solutions where, you know, my team, myself, we would be leading the project management elements of that. So I guess that really helped to hone my project management skills. So I did various qualifications in project management during that a stint. Um, I also did uh, a lot of product qualifications as well around cash management and liquidity and things like that. So again, you know, it's a it's an area within the bank where um, we really do invest in our people. Um, if there's opportunities to be able to grow um, not just product skills or project management skills, but soft skills as well, you know, things like Microsoft Office um, packages, which can really help you to thrive and do really well in your day-to-day job. So love that role, fantastic, uh, really interesting role dealing with different levels and you know sizes of customers, customers with very different considerations, customers with deadlines to be able to hit, um, internal stakeholders with key drivers to drive those deadlines at a really quick pace and finding solutions again to be able to optimize. Um, so I then, you can see I've done a lot of jobs uh, in the 14 years. Um, so I then moved to lead international markets within liquidity and cash management. Uh, so this was working with European markets, some of the smaller European markets um, in the group. So countries like Armenia, um, Ireland, Belgium, Spain, the Netherlands. Um, so kind of having oversight of those countries and the innovation within those markets. Um, i.e. bringing solutions to the table that we could apply to help our customers in all of those jurisdictions. Um, So that was, again, dealing with so many different cultures and ways of working was a real learning curve for me at that point. Um, I I guess to take a step back and see, you know, how best I could communicate or tailor my communication style to strike a chord across multiple markets, multiple ways of working, multiple legalities, to, I guess, you know, bring things to market, which were useful for our customers to drive our proposition forward. So I love that. Um, really great role, met so many different people, got to travel around loads of cool places, which is amazing. Um, places which I probably never would have gone to, you know, on holiday. I, like, I know the national drink of Armenia and things like this now and great things like that. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. Um, I then, um, me, me and my partner then was blessed and, and had our twin girls. Um, this was about six years ago. So um, while I was based in London for all of those roles, pretty much um, in the liquidity area, um, I moved back to Birmingham, um, obviously to help to support when we had the girls, uh, because, you know, double night feeds is quite a challenge uh, for one person. So um, my partner certainly needed an, an extra pair of hands there. So it was great to come home, of course. But again, it shows you the, the size and the scale of HSBC that there were other opportunities for me to be able to evaluate, network with people and move into quite quickly uh, when, when the children arrived. So I moved back to Birmingham at that point to join the chief, chief offer, operating office uh, in commercial banking. Um, which was, you know, looking at setting up a structure around client due diligence, um, which, was a, which was a huge program again, but I could use all of my project management skills, which I'd honed in earlier roles to, to build a really solid structure there, again, to support our customers to be at their best. Um, Latterly, so that the final two roles I've, I've kind of occupied were in our global trade and receivables finance division. Um, so initially, um, I was responsible for driving innovation in that space uh, and blockchain solutions, um, you know, with a technology like mobile applications to help our customers and things like that, um, which, you know, 
I guess really exposed me to fintechs, agile ways of working, um, real kind of blue sky thinking about breaking what we do now to think about what is the very, very best experience for our customers and how can we leverage technology um, from an accessibility perspective, from a functionality perspective, again, to make that customer experience just an internal poly experience just absolutely incredible. Um, so within Global Trade and Receivables Finance, in essence, we, we, we look to provide customers with working capital solutions to enable our customers to trade both um, on an import and export basis, both domestically and internationally, helping them to risk mitigate as they move into new markets, explore new opportunities with buyers and suppliers, uh, and providing our expertise, enabling them to, to you know, secure the funding to enable them to grow in those areas. Um, so my role at the moment, I, I currently head up client services um, for Global Trade and Receivables Finance uh, for the UK business. Um, so I lead a, a national team of 40 client service managers based across the UK, and we are charged with supporting our clients with working capital solutions, helping them to achieve, as I say, both their domestic and international ambitions via access to trade finance. Um, <clears throat> it's super varied, my role right now. It's really, really rewarding. I feel super lucky to have the role that I do. It kind of, I spring out of bed in the morning uh, more than anything else, like, okay, what are we going to get up to now, you know? Um, and it's incredibly re rewarding as we, we help clients to grow and achieve their aspirations. Um, my team ensures that, um, our customers have an optimal experience across all of our products, channels, and also services in my area. Uh, and that's you know, been great. Um, we've built a great reputation, I'd like to think, and we've actually been voted the best trade finance service provider in the UK by Euromoney for the last four years, something we are supremely proud of. Um, and again, it's just one of those things which, which just drives you on to want to evolve and, and, and build new strategies and build new technologies in to help people be at their best. So I didn't really have a, a dream job in mind when I left university, and that's just full disclosure. I did go to university with people who had a, a brilliant viewpoint of exactly what they wanted to do. Oh, I want to be an investment banker, so I'm going to do a, an internship here, and then I'm going to speak to this person and that person. I didn't really have that. Um, I, as I say, I studied management, IT, and Spanish. And, and one of the reasons why I chose such a broad discipline was because I wasn't sure. I wanted to, to have um, a base knowledge which was applicable to a number of, um, to a number of industries. Um, so initially, I wanted to, I was interested in working, a big, working in a big corporate. And I guess I wanted to dip my toe into the corporate world. Um, and that's what that initial role in our wealth and personal banking division allowed me to do. So I was doing something which I was passionate about in terms of helping people and helping customers. Um, but you know, I wanted to also get used to how a big organization feels every day. Um, so I, I would consider myself very much a people person, um, somebody who is inquisitive and somebody who likes to make decisions based on analysis and facts. Um, I love to look at processes and finding inefficiencies. And, and most of all, I love to see people develop and grow in their careers and our customers thrive as well. So HSBC has really helped me to achieve all of those things, which get me up in the morning, springing out of bed. If my kids aren't kicking me out of bed, that is. Um, so yeah, I would say it's a really wonderful place to work based on the breadth uh, of, of opportunity there. Um, so yeah, hopefully Chantal gives you a bit of a whistle stop of uh, 14 years of career and two kids later. 
brilliant. Thank you, Dan. Um, what, why a career in finance from, from graduating university? What, what led you to finance? And, and what would you say are the key skills that have that you've developed kind of progressing through your career or that have helped you to progress through your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say a career in finance, um, as I said, I wasn't sure initially, mm. but after doing a lot of research over a number of industries and then thinking about what excited me and what I was good at and what I liked doing, um, the opportunities and just the breadth of experience a career in finance can give you um, are just mind-blowing, really. And, you know, in the 14 years that I've been in the group, that, that, level of opportunity has only swelled yet further so when I say that I mean things like there's so many project management roles there's many statistical analysis roles there's relationship management roles um, great stakeholder management roles or perhaps deal structuring change management data science there's just so many interesting things to look at across the board um, and I also think you know, finance and, and the fiscal system clearly underpin society. So as with many un other industries, financial institutions have an incredibly important societal purpose, um, even more so now in, you know, in, in times of where we're looking at sustainability and net zero and COP26 and things like that. It's really important, um, you know, a really important part of the world. And it's great to be able to have an impact on that and support society um, in that in that particular realm so um i would say yeah long answer for a short question but in essence in terms of why finance i would say because of the opportunity because of the breadth and depth of different things and how many applicable skills there are in different roles because you know it's one of those things that you may be a, uh, a specialist in a certain area and you really love that area and you want to stay there for your whole career but if you don't, and you like to be one of those people who maybe makes a great impact on something based on your skill set, and then move to something else totally different, you can do that under one roof within a financial institution, um, which is brilliant. And of course, you know, reputation goes a long way. Um, so if you've forged a great reputation in a particular area, for argument's sake, that reputation will precede you when you're looking to go to something different, which may actually find, you know, you may find a transition easier than jumping to, uh, you know, it's a completely different company. Um, so yeah, you know, financial services so broad, so broad that I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic place to be. So, but just to answer your question around um, key skills um, that I think are, are important, um, I would say curiosity um, is a really really important skill. Um, so that is being curious about processes, being curious about customers, being curious about our policies and things like that. Um, curiosity, while it seems like a, you know, a mundane skill, curiosity harnessed in the right way, I think is probably one of the key things which has helped me to progress through my career. Um, just, you know, saying, well, how do we do that? And why do we do that that way? Because um, it, you know, diversity um, of thought and different viewpoints helps us to challenge what the status quo is to make it better for everybody make it more you know risk aware for everybody make it more efficient for our customers so i'd say curiosity is a massive one um, if i think about more core disciplines of course things like economics business studies are really helpful um, as is things like law and, and stuff like that but as you can see with me you know i didn't do uh, you know a particularly statistic based or mathematic based 
uh, graduate discipline. Uh, and, you know, I've learned as I've gone, um, the bank facilitates various training programs in various areas in, in your chosen disciplines um, to, to really develop on those skills. Um, so I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Um, curiosity is key. A base academic knowledge is, is important as well. Um, but of course, you know, and I guess this goes not just for finance, but across the piece, tenacity is important too. Uh, tenacity and, and belief in yourself uh, to be able to go up to that person or challenge that process. Um, these things are all things which would stand anybody in great stead when moving into financial services. But as I say, I, you know, one thing I do want to get across is that if you didn't do or aren't doing a financial services discipline at university, the, the doors are absolutely um, not not closed. I mean, I'm working with a graduate at the moment who uh, studied um, uh, sciences, uh, biology um, and things like that, physics, and um, she's fantastic and brilliant and her, the diversity of the thought there, she uncovers so many blind spots that I've got. So how come you do this this way, Dan? I've got, sorry, I never thought about that. So this is why it's so important to have that um, differentiation across the board. Lovely. Um, and you touched upon it in, in your answer there, but could you tell us a little bit more about some of the roles available at HSBC? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So um, clearly, you know, HSBC is one of the world's largest banking and financial services organisations. Uh, we've got over 200,000 employees. Uh, we serve over 40 million customers through uh, various global businesses, um, through our wealth and personal banking division, through our commercial banking division and our global banking and markets division. Um, so our network covers over 64 countries um, and territories in Europe, Asia, Middle East, um, Africa, North America and Latin America. So within that breadth, it's fair to say that opportunity is abundant. Um, there's so many roles available at HSBC. Uh, if you think about the, the, you know, the adverts you see on television, there's a marketing team who would be responsible for that. Um, you think about our policies, there is a legal team who are responsible for that and company secretaries and things like that. If you think about day-to-day -day interaction with our customers to support them, well, there were relationship managers for that. You think about the bank and new technology coming in, um, you know, there are project management roles for that. There are change management roles for that. Um, if you think about how we make risk decisions, well, there are data science roles for that or accounting roles for that. There is something for everybody uh, is what I would say across the group. Um, our purpose, uh, purpose is, is very much to open up a world of opportunity uh, for customers and colleagues. And I can truly say that what the firm has done for me based on the values that we live every day with an HSBC is exactly that. You know, uh, There is a world of opportunity available to individuals um, and it's a great place to work. As I say, we, we very much, when we look at our values, we very much value difference at HSBC. Um, we very much succeed together. Um, we take responsibility and ultimately we get it done for our customers and internal colleagues. So it's brilliant. Um, it, it, it's such a, uh, you know, a large organisation. There's just such a lot of opportunity. I could, I could probably go on for an hour about that question <laughs> alone, to be honest, Chantelle, in terms of the different roles. But hopefully you get a semblance of the roles based on what I've done in my 14 years and some of the other ones that I've talked through as well. Absolutely. And how would you recommend students or graduates kind of gain experience within the industry? Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, 
sessions like today, um, I'm, I'm very much an open book and um, I will always kind of give, you know, my experiences um, wholeheartedly. So sessions like this, getting onto webinars with industry professionals who've kind of walked through the shoes, walked in the shoes of a graduate or a student seeking a role in financial services, direct experience is, is an important thing. You know, you, you can kind of make decisions based on others. Uh, you can get a bit of a steer based on things like that. So sessions like this, I think, are great. Um, internships, I think, are really important as well. Um, HSBC offers an internship scheme, um, and so there's an there's an opportunity there. And many of many of of, of our, um, you know, I, I guess our competitors within the financial services industry are also do the same uh, from an internship perspective. And that can be summer long internships that uh, are done, but there's also apprenticeships which are offered in the bank as well. So that's something which could be a consideration too. Um, I would say I, I would actively encourage uh, people to, to seek out mentors. Um, mentors are really, really important. I've had mentors throughout my career. Um, that's like, you know, some within, you know, blind in business, some people I've met through blind in business, some um, individuals I've met within the bank in juris different jurisdictions, but a mentor to be able to uh, share their knowledge and experience um, you know, that's a really, really powerful thing. Um, so I would actively encourage everybody to kind of seek out mentors in their chosen areas of interest and maybe even not, you know, because you know, I have mentors who don't work in the same area as I do right now, but their perspective has helped me to make certain decisions throughout my career. Um, so I think mentors are really important. Um, I think, you know, insight days with organisations. Um, so I know, Chantelle, we're actively looking to pull one together with uh, yourself at the moment for HSBC, yeah. which would be great. Um, but, uh, you know, I think those kind of things where you, you know, we really go into, into the weeds of what it's like to work within an organization um, in the financial services industry are very helpful as well. Um, and I would also say research. Um, when I say research, I wouldn't say go watching the Wolf of Wall Street and think that's what it's like and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely not. But publications such as the Financial Times, of course, uh, things like Global Trade Review, Harvard Business Review give great insights. Um, you know, me personally, you know, I'd say years gone by, I was pretty much more of a, a gossip columnist on, on, you know, the Daily Mail. That would probably be my, my go-to. But as my career's progressed, I've kind of um, taken more of an active interest in like Global Trade Review and Harvard Business Review and things like that. Um, and, and lastly, what I would say is um, network is so very important. Um, so there will be people that you all know who may work in financial services that you met at university or it was a brother or a sister of somebody who you worked with at university or did a volunteering activity or something like that those networks for people who have walked in shoes that maybe you want to walk in are really really important um, so you know if you don't ask you don't get so I would always say to leverage that network to your ability, you know, to the best of your ability to gain further insights on industries that you're interested in, be that financial services or otherwise. Brilliant. Um, now, my next question kind of relates to, to a point you mentioned before, um, kind of around key skills that you've developed, kind of progressing through your career. Um, mm -hmm. But kind of throughout your career, how, how did you develop your, your level of confidence and what advice would you give candidates to develop theirs? Um, I would say it, it's it's difficult and confidence doesn't just come like 
well, yeah, I'm confident now. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things that you have to work at. You know, if you'd have said to me, I'll tell you what, Dan, you've, you, you've, you know, you're 21 years old and you're going to be a few years, it is a few years, I can assure you that, down the line, uh, and you're going to be doing a webinar for a few people to try, you know, to help and give you experience. I'll be like, nah, no way, I can't see it. I just can't see it happening, right? But as you go through your career, you are, it is really surprising how much confidence you gain by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, i.e. things which you thought you would never be able to do. You know, I would say I'm relatively quite an introvert, really. But today, the fact that I do the role that I do, I'm consistently talking to groups of 300 people or 50 people here about various topics. Uh, And over time, there's almost like um, a, a really enjoyable kind of perverse reaction. I'd love to do it now because I know how much I didn't like to do it before to have walked through that. Um, challenge has given me confidence on that basis because it was something I was so uncomfortable with before but the only way I shook off uh, you know a lack of confidence was by exposing myself to it and and don't get me wrong I didn't start big with the various things that I do I tried to find manageable situations which wouldn't kind of um, be too overwhelming Uh, and then I just worked at things from there to be able to hopefully get more concise and uh, more natural and, and stuff like that so I guess the key one there is don't be afraid to feel uncomfortable and look and have the self-awareness to look at yourself to think, well, I'm not very comfortable with that. Um, should I ignore it or should I tackle it by trying to get some kind of experience in that area? And it's amazing how just jumping over a small hurdle builds that confidence so very much to be thinking, like, oh, I just did that. Amazing. Let's crack on from there. Then. And you're just really surprised at what you can do continually. Um, so, yeah, certainly expose yourself to things which are uncomfortable when you first think of them. Um, I would say don't let the setbacks uh, define you um, because things don't go right. I have made many mistakes and had many silly things happen and stuff like that throughout um, my career. But, you know, with a glass half full mentality, with a mentality which was, um, I guess, positive in learning from those things which didn't go perfectly, it enabled me to be a little bit better every single time. And it's it's not about perfection, it's about progression continually. And all those small steps get you closer and closer to exactly where you want to be. Um, so yeah, you know, be open, open to not getting things right. Um, because, you know, you're never going to get it all right. Simple as that, really. Um, I would say, confidence wise, you know, ask for feedback. Um, feedback is a really important gift so the things which you do whether that's presenting whether it's doing a a presentation uh, in terms of like a powerpoint deck or something like that ask for feedback from people continually you know what what did you think i did well there what wasn't quite so good what do you think is an ebi and even better if that i could do which would make that land a little bit better um you know, people are happy to provide feedback. And as I say, feedback is a gift and a, and a special gift. It's the way in which we take that, um, which is really important. So when I, when I, when I line that up with confidence, uh, I mean that, you know, a lot of the time you're going to get feedback, which is like, tell you what, that was a great piece of work. You know, you can really take that, understand that, you know, you, you've pulled one out of the bag there. All those little wins become big wins when you put them all together. So yeah, feedback's really important. Um, and I would say preparation. Preparation is really, really key. So for things that I was never really comfortable with, 
I'd, I'd, I guess I'd probably overcompensate sometimes and prepare to like the nth degree uh, because you've got all ba as many bases covered as you can. And if you walk into a situation where you know you're giving your all, you know you've prepared and looked and, and thought, oh, there's not really many blind spots for me there because I've looked at every eventuality, that will give you confidence on that basis that you have put the time in. When you feel least confident is when you're winging it continually now i'll probably do that quite a lot but don't follow me in that respect um, but preparation the times when i feel most confident is when i've prepared really really well um so you know everybody has reservations everybody gets nervous um you get to the point though when you can manage those nerves to your advantage and those nerves actually make you that bit sharper that bit better that bit kind of more succinct things like that um so yeah I, I would say you know one thing a book that i've read and a mentor recommended to me some time ago was and it might be one that people have read but i thought i'd mention it anyway was um professor steve peters the chimp paradox so that's a great book it was a bestseller um it's a really good way of of managing your mind um so as not to let the chimp out uh, where you can be a far more rational about things and I guess compartmentalize things to to make sure that you do feel at your best and you do feel confident um so yeah that's another you know, little morsel I would share more than that. so yeah you know keep calm and think about your qualities the, the qualities that you have are unique to you Big businesses want these qualities. They want diversity of thought. They want diverse individuals to join their midst to help them to progress and help their customers. So, you know, don't be confident in yourself. Absolutely be confident in yourself. You have fantastic ability. Think about where you are at in your, your, your learning journey. Who you thought you'd have got there? You know, throughout my career, I've looked around and thought, well, I, I really belong here. You know, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm part of the furniture and my thoughts are valued. And when you do that, and when you've got a supportive team around you, then, you know, you, you spread your wings and, and fly from there. Brilliant. Um, now, I know you've previously attended our, our two-day residential trip, Education to Employment, Dan. Um, so yes. could you tell us a little bit more about your experience there and your experience working with Flying Business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when we connected, Chantal, a little, I think it was a little bit earlier this year now, I, I tell you, I had to really cast my mind back. So <laughs> not, 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 not giving my age away from when I did to educate and employment. It was quite a long time ago. I'll, I'll, I'll let you out of the hat that it's probably 15 years plus, um, potentially. So I think um, it helped me and the, and, and the kind of connection with Blind and Business has helped me in so many different ways. So I think the, the thing things which stuck out to me when I when I really thought back from education to employment was um, the interviews with employers. I'd never had that before, never had anything like that before. Um, walked in there probably a little bit unprepared, but you know, it was one of those things which uh, you have to expose yourself to understand and know what you need to do to be at your best. So I love those. Um, I ended up um, making a wonderful connection with a company which wasn't HSBC. And I had a great mentoring connection with the person who actually mock interviewed me during education to employment for many, many years after. And it actually helped me uh, to secure my role at HSBC based on his input and his feedback. So that was absolutely fantastic. Um, I also actually drove a Land Rover during uh, education to employment, which I never thought I'd do. But <laughs> 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 it was really, really good. Um, again, built my confidence. I thought, oh, there's no way I can do that. No way. 
but you know it afforded me that opportunity to do something that was outside of my comfort zone did all right actually didn't crash it or anything like that which is cool um, um so that was great from a confidence perspective i would suggest and i loved connecting with other individuals who have similar considerations you know we you know we've we've had similar things like maybe we use low vision aids uh, or maybe we use a certain used a certain um software on a computer to optimize to be able to like share tips and tricks and just have that commonality with another individual um again drives confidence i'm not alone here there's other people i can reach out to there's other uh, people i can connect with for support um and that really helped me uh, again, similar to the um, similar to my connection with a mentor, I also um, forged really long-lasting relationships based on the sessions with other individuals with similar considerations, both within blind business in terms of um, kind of, of course, you guys who work at blind business, but also other candidates at the same time who form part of my network, help to signpost opportunity, help to teach me a few things. Um, so, you know, I just think it's a really, really great initiative and I would wholeheartedly recommend anybody um, in kind of partaking in that because there's so many different things that you learn, so much, so many different exposures that you get, which really, you might not think at the time, but, you know, I've looked back as I say, 15 years and thought, you know what, actually, that was key to me getting on the path that I've been on since. So yeah, brilliant, really loved it. Oh, excellent to hear, Dan. Um, I'm going to turn to recruitment now, some recruitment mm -hmm. questions coming your way. Um, <laughs> so what are your top tips for candidates when it comes to writing applications and interviewing? Yeah, of course. Um, so I would say when it comes to writing applications we'll start with the right applications first and we're going to interviews so it's the age-old one everybody will say it but look at the comp uh, competencies that the role demands of course that's really important um i would suggest on of course tailing on your cv to the role that you're applying for making sure that you've picked out the buzzwords the keywords that are pertinent for that role in your cv of course if you've got those skills uh, i wouldn't suggest on making them up if you don't have them um, but the ones that you do have i would certainly say amplify those in your cv and write around those in terms of your experiences um, i would always suggest when it comes to applications and writing cvs and stuff like that that you talk about your achievements what have you done how do you move the dial in that particular thing that you know that you're working in you know what did you do within your course that were out what was outside the norm outside of just doing your course for argument's sake differentiate yourself on that basis but do tailor yourself towards the demands of the role the expectations of the role so that makes that make sure that let's say it's a linkedin role or something like that a lot of time with cvs there there's an algorithm which will run through and pick out the key things within the CVs that are submitted to make sure that those keywords are picked out and there'll be like a percentile match and stuff like that. So it's really important that you study the job description um, and you pull out the keywords and make sure your CV and, and application um, covers those key points. Um, I do, I mean, I've been asked before around covering letters and things like that. Are they worth, is it worth doing a covering letter? Um, I would say yes always you know people even when they're employ applying for a job internally with HSBCs will sometimes uh, share a covering letter with me as well and I really value that as a recruiter I really value that they've taken the time to talk about not only why they're interested in the role but what skills that they feel uh, they can bring to the team 
Um, so I think cover letters are important and I would certainly, um, you know, encourage those. I think in terms of um, other intangibles, I'd suggest on if you can, and if the this information is viable and, and available to you, then reaching out to the recruiting manager if you have access to that information to chat about the role is really important. Uh, again, you know, um, before I've done various roles, I've had a coffee chat with the recruiting manager to not to try and impress them. Of course, you want to try and impress them at the time and talk about your knowledge a little bit, but I want to know that the role's right for me and you know you should know that the role's right for you um, so you can get a real semblance of a role by having that more informal discussion prior to an interview uh, and then of course because you've met somebody or you've had a zoom conversation or a telephone call with somebody um, then you know you've got a connection already you're not a name on a piece of paper you are actually Dan or Chantel uh, so you know I think that to make you stand out is a really really good one um, and you know I'd also say as well don't, if you can and if you've got the capability it's great to have a cv which stands out a little bit um so not just word times new roman 12 you know all over underlined and bold it is cool to have a cv which has got a little bit of color or it's got something a little bit different about it if you know if you have the capability um to be able to do that it's not the be all and end all but i guess i'm just trying to say if you can differentiate differentiation is really important in volume roles where there's lots of people applying at any one time um, when it comes to interviews, I guess it depends what type of interview you're looking at. Um, what I would say from an interview perspective is that I have never spoken to an interviewer who I didn't know um, wanted me to do really well in an interview. All interview interviewers want you to do fantastically well because they want the best people and they want the best version of you when they're interviewing you. So you know, no one's trying to trip you up. People are not trying to catch you out. They just want you to be able to bring your whole self to the interview and, you know, really shine during that interview. So, you know, you should be confident on that basis and not be scared um, around that. When I say it depends on what type of interview, I mean, in this day and age, of course, the, the age of Zoom and, and virtual interviews sometimes, um, you have the opportunity to be able to make notes and prepare in a way which are maybe a little bit more accessible to you than sitting face to face with somebody um, in, in, a, in an office or something like that. So, you know, I've interviewed for jobs on Zoom where I literally had the biggest, massivest like notes hidden by my screen just to give me pointers in terms of some of the key words that I was going to I wanted to talk about. And of course, that nervous energy comes at the start. And if you don't harness it in the right way, you might forget the things that you prepared. But to have those pointers, really, really important. Even if you are in a face to face interview, um, again, you know, there's, there's no issues with looking at notes during um, interviews at all. There's, there's no issue, you know, um, you know, I know many people may leverage Braille and things like that. There's no issue with leveraging these things to just remind yourself about where you are at. Um, I think that's that's really important that you can access these things. I would say, um, listen, really, this is something I always say to, to candidates when we kind of feedback is listen to the question. Listen to the question and note the question down is, is sounds like a really fundamental thing. But the amount of times that I see people who've given me a great answer like an awesome answer, but it didn't answer the question. It is abundant. It happens all the time. Um, if you don't, if you want the interviewer to repeat the question, ask it as many times as you like, just to make sure you've got that in your mind. So 
when you've got you know five or ten examples that say prepared that you can interchange them um but you've got a really solid steer and you know a solid handle on what the question is actually asking you so i'd say certainly note those things down um i would say um it might feel mega uncomfortable but role playing uh, with friends and family talking out loud in terms of questions so like i said i, I would always have if i was going to, in, in, into an interview 10 probably yeah 10 maximum examples which i would want to use if it, if it indeed it is a competency-based interview um which were maybe interchangeable so again you'll gleam that from um the job description and what it demands in terms of is it a customer service role if it is then clearly customer service may come up or problem solving may come up or relationship building may come up so you're going to be able to pull out from there what the key competencies are that you're looking for and i would try and have a few examples for each one maybe a bit more risk focused for argument's sake one maybe a little bit more innovative innovation focused stuff like that because the question sometimes can be quite samey through an interview so you don't want to think oh no i've i've i've, I've lost my example because i used it in the earlier question so you want as many interchangeable examples that you can possibly get but in terms of the speaking out loud piece um i always find it and, and my partner would you know she get, gets uh, very frustrated at me can i just talk this out do you mind if i just you know go through this can you ask me this question because i could i could write it down 10 million times but if i speak it out loud i, I realize where i'm going to trip over and then you know practice that that part again again it comes down to that preparation uh preparation piece i would suggest in terms of if you're prepared and you've talked it through you're gonna just it's gonna roll off the tongue that much easier and be right in the forefront of your mind to be able to um again give you a fantastic answer which scores brilliantly and secures you that role and then i think the the only other thing i would suggest would be to think of insightful questions that you want to ask things which are not just when am I going to find out? <laughs> when am I going to find out if I've got a job? Or what was the pay? You know, things which are insightful. You're going to, you know, you hope they're going to work in that job for a period of time. You really want to understand what that is like to work in that role. You know, can you tell me about a a day in the life, you know, of, of that particular role holder? What would they do each day? Because you want to make sure it's right for you. It's not just right for the company. It must be right for you as well. Um, but there are also questions which you can showcase your quality um with so i always say and uh, you know my answers here are not all the perfect answers but um they're just maybe the way i do things in a certain way and if you can take anything from that then then great um but one thing i'll always ask is you know if you were to have a recipe i don't know of, of the person that you wanted for this role what are the key skills that are on that recipe card um and now you know the interviewer will say well, I'm looking for somebody who does this or does that, or is a great people person or is a great stakeholder manager. Hopefully through the life cycle of that interview, you have demonstrated those things because you picked them up from the, um, the job description anyway, and you've used your examples to amplify your quality in those areas. You can probably amplify your quality again, having asked that question, you know, when they say, well, I'm looking for a great stakeholder manager, you can probably join that discussion say things like oh hopefully i'll kind of demonstrate that a little bit when i talked a little bit about um you know x example or y example you're just trying to really hammer home your quality as a candidate um to make sure that you've told them you know i've asked you what your perfect candidate is and i've just told you the five examples where i've given you which have ticked every single one of those boxes little things like that just thoughtful things where you can make yourself um, stand out from the crowd in terms of your quality fantastic guys great tips there um um, 
conscious of the time we've got 10 minutes left and we've had some questions come in the chat so I'm going to ask my final question and then yeah, I'll yeah. hopefully we'll get through one of the one or two questions in the chat so final question for me Dan um what kind of general advice would you give candidates interested in a career with HSBC uh, and more generally finance I would say pursue it you know I'm, I'm, I'm probably sounding biased because I do the job anyway <laughs> but pursue it but I've, I hopefully I've given you a, a semblance of there's some great careers there with abundant opportunities um you know HSBC certainly we value difference we need people from different backgrounds with different thought processes um I would say do your research though of course it's really important you want to go into something where you know you're gonna you know your skill set's gonna map and you feel comfortable in that culture um so definitely do your research and I would also suggest on looking into things which are going to really shape the industry moving forward in financial services. So things like AI, machine learning, things like sustainability, absolutely key and will be key in many industries, but certainly in financial services as well moving forward. Um, so, yeah, do your research. But above all else, great opportunities. And I'm really enjoying it 14 years in, still smiling. So can't be that bad. Excellent. OK, we've had a question come through from Justin in the chat, uh, who asks, what are the main challenges you face as a visually impaired person that your sighted colleagues do not have to tackle? Yeah, great question, Justin. Um, I would say um, it's things like, um, so I work on a lot of projects. Uh, what are the facets of my visual impairment is I'm colorblind amongst a, a number of other things. So sometimes you'll get things like RAG reports, which are red, amber, green reports. Red, you know, they've got a challenge there. Amber, it's kind of okay. Green, things are going great. And people um, have kind of, you know, they'll send me that and I've, I've like, which one's red, which one's green, which one's amber? Uh, don't really know. Um, but then what you'll get is an opportunity to leverage technology within the group. So, of course, workplace adjustments are, are a huge uh, thing. And, you know, uh, I've had a, an occupational health referral and things like that, where we'll look at the various things where we can help from, with a, from a technological standpoint. Also, you know, colleagues, you know, my colleagues are so very helpful. Um, you know, if there's something which is small, the amount of times people, oh, let me just make that a little bit bigger for you on screen. Um, so I'd say, you know, workplace adjustments are, are a big thing. Um, the, the, the business is fantastic at that and supporting colleagues to be at their best in that respect. I think me being open, um, it doesn't always, you know, it hasn't always felt comfortable to be open about my condition. Um, but, uh, you know, over time I found everyone's so nice you know everybody wants to help you to be at your best by being open and saying oh, you know i've actually got this condition you know and I, I can't see that that well could you just make it a little bit bigger or things like that you know that that works really nicely i guess there's a mobility piece as well um in terms of accessing offices that maybe i've not been to before but in instances like that you know i'll have a colleague at the office that i've never been to before who will kind of help me to where i need to be so i'll bring them forward and say you know hi you mate uh, you know um can you is there any chance you could meet me in reception uh to do that again people are happy to help it's all based on relationships and if you you, you make people aware um then you know they will help absolutely but my biggest challenges have probably been um in terms of mobility i would suggest which i've leveraged my network to help me with <clears throat> systemically in terms of kind of things being a bit small and not being able to read things um but by going through the relevant workplace adjustments piece that is very helpful as well in that respect um there's things like access to work as well i would suggest in terms of actually getting to work obviously i can't drive stuff like that um but 
that that affords um there are various schemes government schemes in terms of access to work to be able to support in that area which uh you know that's something to look into as well so you know with an open mind um with uh, i guess the the confidence to be able to call out a challenge then there's many many provisions which can be made uh and as i say you know sometimes i'll notice something that somebody else didn't um so i actually just see it as an opportunity as opposed to a challenge uh continually but yeah there's lots of things you can do we have a question from nafisa who says congratulations on working in a variety of roles did you always feel like you had someone to go to in need um nafisa thank you very much for the question great question um again i'll speak openly um, you don't always feel like you've got somebody to go to uh, when you walk into something new. I would say I've had wonderful line managers through my, my, my time within the business, and that's great and very helpful. But sometimes a line manager is not the person you want to raise something with. But that comes back to my point around mentorship um, and things like that, where you reach out to other people to get a different perspective, um, support. Um, but again, you know, it's very it's. It happens very quickly that you forge close relationships with your colleagues. So sometimes it'd be a case of me rolling over my chair to somebody and saying, oh, they sent me all these colours and told me that this is in turquoise. Which one is it? You know, so the relationships that you forge really, really help to be able to help you over for challenges. So while maybe you first walk into somewhere and maybe you're unsure, not that you don't feel like you've got somebody to go to, you're unsure who to go to, uh, by being a little bit, you know, I would suggest open and confident in who you are and the great things that you bring to the business uh, or the area that you, you work within, um, that you naturally find those people and they don't always reside in your business area. They don't always reside in the desk next to you, to you but they are always there. But if you're open and confident, then you will find those individuals. Well, Dan, thank you so much for a great insight into HSBC, your experience and all your hints and tips for kind of applying for, for jobs and, and interviews. Um, I'd like to say, as always, Blinder Business is on hand um, to support you through the process of finding a job. Um, and we will also be running Education to Employment, that two-day residential trip that Dan attended um, in the summer. So if you'd like more information on that, do get in touch. Um, once again, Dan, thank you so much. And thank you to those that have tuned in. Um, if you do have any follow-up questions, just drop me an email um, and I can get any questions over to Dan as well. So thank you all for joining. Thanks and all. Have a lovely afternoon. Have a brilliant weekend, guys. Thanks, everyone.